Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. What's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast. We're back. We've been away for a little while, but it feels good to be back talking to all our Kings fans out there. Uh, I'm Scott Kidville, and we are recording here on June 28, 2021. We're watching Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals. And before we get started, I want to let you know that you can find us on social media. We can be found on Twitter at Rink Royalty and also at Hockey Royalty, I'm sorry, Royalty underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook at the Hockey Royalty Podcast and on Instagram at the same address. So we got a great show lined up for you guys tonight. This is going to be a, an old school type of feel. We're going back to the old days with one of our original friends of the LA Kings. And before I bring him in, I'm going to bring in our all-star panel like we always do. First up, our leader, the son of which rinkroyalty.com revolves around, Mr. Ryan Sykes. What's going on, pal? Hey, Scott, you said it best. You've been away for a couple of weeks. Feels good to be back. I know. It, it, you know what this kind of almost feels like? Like a, a 20th high school reunion or something. You know? It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and up next, 
He is our master of ceremonies of all things analytical. If you got the question, he's got the answer. And even if you change the question, he's still got the answer. We're going to bring in Mr. <laughs> Russell Morgan. What's going on, pal? What's going on, guys? I'm excited for this one. It's going to be a good show. It is. I, I can't wait for this. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in our guest. Our guest is the senior, I'm sorry, the senior editor for the Athletic NHL. Uh, he is also the co-host of the podcast uh, 11 Personnel, which is an L.A. Rams podcast, which is great because I am an L.A. Rams fan, by the way. So, and anyways, most of us Kings fans will know him as the former L.A. King insider, Mr. Rich Hammond. Thanks for coming on, Rich. Hey, fellas. How you doing? Thanks for having me. No problem. This is a, a wonderful treat for us tonight. So, how you been, all right? Yeah, doing well. It's great to have the the playoffs back. I love watching these games with the full buildings. You know, it wasn't quite the same last year. I'm so glad that, you know, Kings fans got into Staples Center this year to watch some of the games. Looking forward to next year, keeping my fingers crossed that everything stays well and that uh, we can enjoy a a full uh, 2020-22 season. So uh, it's great. It's great to be with you guys. Yeah, Rich, I just want to, what did you think about Gary Bettman's kind of State of the Union address today? I've, I've been through a few of those and uh yeah gary always kind of has that little he has that little head bobble that he does yeah. and like he always seems kind of irritated no matter like you could ask him like gary what time is it and he'd still kind of be like well yeah i mean it's there's time um but yeah, and then uh you know like gary's done a lot i i poke fun at him a lot but uh you you, you look at what he's done to not only grow the game, but uh, but to keep it uh, maintained during some difficult times. I give him a lot of credit. It's not easy to uh, to, to do what he does, and uh, I'm sure this past year has been as challenging as it gets. And so, yeah, you know, I, I, I think the game's in good shape. I, I know that they announced uh, the All Star Game and and things like that. So, uh, and, and we've got the awards coming out tomorrow. That'll be interesting to see who wins those. Look, I give the NHL a lot of credit. I mean, they, they were able to come through this. I know we've got a flat cap again for next year, so nobody's going to be exactly where they want to be. Uh, but they were able to get through a season with with people getting being healthy, with being able to travel. I know the schedule wasn't what anybody was used to. We end up with a Montreal-Tampa Bay Stanley mm-hmm. Cup final, which nobody <laughs> thought we were going to see. But you know what? Under the circumstances, I thought I thought they pushed all the right buttons and and did pretty much what you could do this year. So I, I poke a lot of fun at Gary, but uh, but I have to give him credit for for getting through a good year. I, I think my favorite part of the interview is when he was swatting the fly. <laughs> That's what, he's, he's always irritated about like there's always something going on that that like has him slightly on edge about something so that you know let's say he's he's been through a lot so i, I gotta i gotta give him a break yeah did you ever was... notice it too he like dumps it right off to bill daly when he's had too much he's like all I right bill, handle yeah, this one. i can't take this anymore <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey bill why don't you why don't you field this one yeah right, no yeah. i uh I jumped in my car and i was heading home uh from work and all I, the first thing i heard him was I need to get a fly swatter or something. I was like, what is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. So, Rich, I want to dive uh, just right into the content. You know, just give us a little bit of history on on your background in journalism and how you kind of got the lead into the LA Kings Insider. Yeah, yeah, I won't give you the twenty-minute version, but yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of grew up wanting to wanting to do this, wanting to be in newspapers, and was lucky enough to do it 
you know, as soon as I got into college, basically started working, uh, didn't know where I was going to go, you know, thought I wanted to be a baseball writer at one point uh, growing up was probably what I wanted to do. Uh, in terms of hockey, I was certainly a Gretzky kid. Uh, you know, yeah. I didn't I grew up in Southern California, probably didn't even know the Kings existed until I was about uh, 10 or 11 years old. And, and Wayne Gretzky got traded here. Um, and fell in love with the sport, loved going to the games, went to some of those playoff games in 93. Um, you know, sorry guys, don't take this the wrong way, but you went to some ducks games when they, (laughs) when they started up because that was new Mm -hmm. and interesting. And then I was able to circle back throughout my career and, and, you know, right around 2000, 2001 started kind of helping out with the Kings, um, coverage that is, and, Wonderful people, loved the sport, loved all the players, how accessible they were, how nice they were. Uh, The game was interesting. It was fast. It was great to cover, a lot of personalities, and really kind of fell in love with covering it. And I I circled back different times. They pulled me off to cover the Lakers at times. I covered the Dodgers at times. But there was always something in my mind that made me think, I'd like to cover hockey. This is fun. This is what kind of I, I enjoy doing. So kind of got to do that full time around 2005, 2006. Uh, at the LA Daily News, really enjoyed that. We started this this new uh, exciting venture called a blog, which which uh, <laughs> nobody had really heard of around that time. It was this this crazy thing that people did online, and uh, was able to get some good traction from that. Kings fans, uh, I owe such a huge debt of gratitude. Uh, for the way that that started back in 2006, 2007, was able to generate some momentum from that, got a lot of clicks, got a lot of attention. And then, yeah, around 2009, started talking to the Kings about, well, how would this look? You know, like uh, I was in a situation at the time where the newspaper was having some financial difficulties, which those never really ended. uh, And uh, didn't get to really, you know, travel anymore, didn't get to cover the team full time. And I thought, well, you know, I'd kind of like to, I'd kind of like to do this uh, permanently and uh, was able to work out that arrangement with the Kings and, and partner with that. Very grateful for them to this day that, uh, that we were able to do that. So yeah, that was, that was 2009. So that was the quick, uh, that was, that was about uh, 15 years right there in, in about <laughs> 75 seconds, probably. <laughs> so how'd you kind of get, um, I mean, I know obviously you're still involved with the NHL and I, and you just put out an article uh, pretty recently with Lisa Dillman. You kind of tagged yeah. in, uh, that one, but kind of talk about how you got involved with the Rams uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, un- unfortunately, things with the insider did, at some point did not work out. Uh, we, we could go into that story if you wanted, but I, I, I made the decision. My good friend Gary Bettman uh, was had, had his hands uh, semi-involved in that one, I guess. But uh, was he made the a dis- fly then too? Yeah, it was me. I was the fly. Yeah, I was the fly that they were swatting. Um, but, uh, you know, made made the decision at that point that it was you know, probably my time to move on. Um, and I don't regret that. I, I miss I certainly miss having the, the job. It was it was the most fun I, I had. Um, but I was very fortunate to, to go to the Orange County Register at that point and uh, started covering USC football at that time. And then in January 2016, the NFL decided that the Rams could come home and uh, move back from St. Louis. So we needed uh, somebody to uh, to cover them. And uh, I'd never covered the NFL before. That was pretty much the only thing I'd never done. So I thought, why not now? And uh, was able to do that for uh, about three years full time and then uh, was able to join the athletic. Got a you know fantastic offer, was so excited uh, to, to join the athletic and and. 
um, you know, do some NFL editing then. And uh, I've just loved it ever since. And then just this past uh, February or March, I guess it was, I uh, was able to move over to the NHL side. So there you go again, right back to the, <laughs> I always kind of thought like, you know, you never say never, you never close doors, you never think, you know, something's never going to happen. So I didn't know how I would get back, um, but I always kind of felt like my, one day it might happen. So absolutely overjoyed to work with Lisa, who's been a, a brilliant, you know, hockey writer for, uh, you know, such a long time and uh, has has seen it all. You know, we we can talk about the 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 eighties and the nineties, and you know, we we can go back through the history. So I just I love every time I get on the phone with Lisa, we end up talking for an hour about different stuff. So uh, it's a lot of fun. So I'm I'm super grateful to be to be working with her. Um, and then when you were with the the LA Kings Insider, you know, what was it like? Just kind of paint the picture for us covering Daryl Sutter. <laughs> yeah that was uh that that was the last six months of my life base or uh, insider life there and uh yeah we knew terry murray you know things weren't weren't going well there uh i didn't know exactly what was going to happen and, and when but i always kind of had it in the back of my mind like i knew how much dean loved daryl setter you know and i remember when when dean got i think it was his introductory press conference and and somebody it wasn't me but somebody asked him like you know what what are the you know because he hadn't hadn't hired a coach yet and he eventually hired mark mark crawford but somebody asked him you know what are the qualities that you look for in a head coach and and dean as as only dean can do just said daryl and we were like, <laughs> so that, it was pretty odd. I mean, Daryl was working, you know, at Calgary at the time. He wasn't going to get Daryl then. But uh, but I always had in the back of my mind, if, if Dean ever makes, a, you know, another change, um, I always thought that, like, well, is it going to be Daryl? And then sure enough, this time it was. And, you know, the funny thing about that, guys, is like I kind of had a hint that it was coming. It was a very slow process, if you remember, like uh, the, the hiring process took a while. And I remember, you know, we would all talk internally, like, you know, oh, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? And every time I would bring up, like, yeah, I think it's going to be Daryl Sutter. The <laughs> the looks that I would get in response would be like, oh, oh, really? It's going to be Daryl Sutter. <laughs> but but you know what, guys? Like, it's it's just the 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 public side that you see of him is so different than than Absolutely. than when you get, uh, it, you know, anybody. Who, I don't know who anybody got to go to like the the whatever they called them then, the, like the tip of king and the, you know, the things like that, where you actually got to interact with these people. He, he couldn't be more different um, yeah. than kind of the public persona of just this like, you know, just always frowning and, and, you know, sarcastic and everything else. I mean, he's actually a very warm uh, person, actually very funny when, when, when you talk to him. So my interactions with, yeah, I mean, my interactions with him were, were always great. I had a, a, a great relationship with him. Um, the thing is, like, I think I, I think the, some of the problems that he has with the media is and I don't blame anybody for this, but like you can't fight Daryl like he is as stubborn as they come. And like you you can't you know, if you're going to try to get him to answer a question a certain way, or you want to try to lead him in a certain direction. That's where you're going to run into problems. And I, I just never tried to do that. I just kind mm -hmm. of accepted him for who he was. Okay, you know, he's not going to answer this question or, you know, I'm going to have to approach it in a different way. But it, but if you took the time to like, have a conversation with him, um, you'd get amazing stuff. I'll tell you real quick. I know you guys have got other stuff that, that you want to do. But oh, my okay. favorite Daryl uh, story of all time was... You know, his his youngest son, Chris, you guys probably all know, you know, Chris has been he dances at the games or he used to. Oh, yeah. It was always on the camera. You know, um, uh, Chris was born with Down syndrome and a pretty severe 
uh, I, I think it's called trisomy 19 or, um, and, and, and I knew all of that. And, and one day early on after Daryl got hired, I, I just happened to figure, I looked somewhere or I saw something that it was uh, international uh, down syndrome day. And I thought, and I hadn't known Daryl for very long at this point. And I'm kind of sitting, I'm driving to the rink going, do, do I do this or do I not do this? Like, it, it, you know, I didn't know how it was going to go. I could have asked him the question and he could have, you know, gotten angry. He could have told me to mind my own business. Mm-hmm. He could have, you know, done any number of things. But I waited until after the scrum was over. And I just said, you know, Daryl, I just happened to find out that today is, you know, International Down Syndrome Day. And he kind of goes, oh, oh, yeah, yeah I didn't, you know, I didn't know that. Didn't know that. And uh, I, said, I said, yeah, you know, like. I know, uh, you know, I know that's been a big part of, of your life. And he, we must have talked for 40 minutes. And, wow. you know, we were standing there in the hallway and he just told me the whole story of Chris and his family and, you know, why they chose to move on from San Jose and why they chose Calgary. And it was an amazing story. And it's just I, I came away from it thinking like I wish people could see that side of Daryl and, and not just kind of the, the, the grumpy guy in the press conferences. So th- there's definitely different sides to him. Well, oh, there's uh, definitely that, that's for sure because I mean I can tell you, I I'm actually up in upstate New York, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, we went out to a Buffalo Kings game, of course. Yeah, and uh, we were actually staying in the same hotel as the team. We got very fortunate. Unfortunately, the Kings got spanked the night before, bad. So <laughs> the players that we saw in the hotel weren't in a very good mood. So we kind of avoided that. But just long story short, I had my my daughter with me who was six at the time, and Daryl Sutter was in the lobby having a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, do I do this? I'm like, boy, this, this, could, this could go all bad. That's right? the line, right. you know. But I'm like, you know, I'm like, you only live once. So I brought her over. Besides, I got a little girl with me. How mean can he get, right? So, but, I mean, complete opposite. Like you said, he sat her up on his knee, talked to her for 10 minutes about his granddaughter that was the same name as my daughter and his farm in, in Alberta. And yeah. just an amazing guy. And people don't see that out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It, it, you know, the, 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 the sound bites get a lot of attention and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I wish more people could see that. Absolutely. He yeah. reminds me of my dad sometimes when he gets in his moves. So <laughs> <laughs> we all do sometimes. That's oh, right. Yeah. Rich, that, that had to be such a huge sigh of relief that he reacted so positively. Cause you know, just as Scott just mentioned his story, that's such a fine line to, to walk, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's a sensitive topic. You don't know how somebody's going to respond. Like right. I said, I, I wouldn't have blamed him if he just said it's none of your business. Like, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't any of my business, but I just thought, you know, it's, it's a story and, and it ended up being, it ended up being a great story. Not, not because I wrote it all that well, but just because he was so open with his, uh, with his story of his family and everything. So I, I love that about hockey. I mean, that is just, that's, that's the, that's the rule, not the exception, exception, because you, you know, people are just so open and that that's part of why I've always loved covering the sport is mm-hmm. uh, it's just so easy to talk to people. Yeah. And then kind of like sticking within the realm of player interviews, you know, if you could maybe narrow it down to, <clears throat> let's say three uh, players, um, who are some of your favorite interviews? Wow. Yeah, because now, <laughs> now you're going back. I mean, really, I, I was around the team, you know, starting in like 2005. So, you know, I Oof. don't know. From 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 that era, I mean, Luke was still around then. And Luke was an amazing uh, person to talk to. I mean, just mm-hmm. and l- like he is now. He's, he hasn't changed a bit. Just, you know, just all energy and all <laughs> like, you know, it, it's it's the same whether you're a reporter or a fan, you know. It, it's, so he, he was always somebody 
um, who you would go to. I, you know, I tend to think of the guys like, I mean, obviously there's been the stars on the team over the years and, and those guys have been great too. But when, when I think about it, I, I think more about the guys going back, like, you know, when I first started like an Ian LaPerriere, I mean, just, just a, a great guy to talk to uh, uh, back in, in that era. And then maybe a little bit later, um, or maybe around that time, like an Eric Belanger was, was a great guy to talk to, oh, okay. just super friendly, really, really nice. Um, then, then more of the current area. Like I'm trying to think, it seems like anytime I went in the locker room, I always gravitated toward Kyle Clifford and he was just a, just a real easy guy to talk to. And, and a lot of hockey players are like this, but it's, it's not even like you're going to interview a player. It's just kind of, you're just sitting down to like, just kind of talk, you know, like, Hey, what's going on? You know, like a lot of those conversations would be like, Oh yeah. Like you see that on, you know, Netflix or whatever, like, Oh yeah, that movie. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was, that was amazing. But I mean, if if I was going to throw one bigger name out there, I mean, Andre Kopitar is, is just, uh, uh, I remember talking to, uh, to Kopitar. What, what, what was the, the year that he got drafted? Uh, 2000 was it five or six? Okay. So he got drafted in five. And I remember talking to him right at the end of training camp, he was going to Sweden uh, to play pro that, that year. And, uh, you know, whatever he was, 18 years old. And I remember talking to this kid and I think I came away from it going, I think I'm going to be talking to this guy. Like, you know, he just, (laughs) the way he carried himself, even at 18, you know, coming from Slovenia, you know, had, had no right to be speaking English as well as he was. I mean, just a perfect, probably spoke English better than I did. Uh, and, you know, just, just carried himself in a way that, that made me think like, I haven't even seen this guy play in an NHL game yet, but I think I'm going to be talking to him quite a bit. And, and that ended up being true. Was part of the, was part of the deal with Cliffy, uh, after you asked him your questions, was he allowed to punch you? (laughs) Another another guy who just could not, and this, and this is true pretty much across the board with those guys, the guys who, who you think are most likely to punch you in the face, like are the nicest guys. I mean, you talk, you know, you you guys remember like Rytus Evenons, like Mm -hmm. back, you know, couldn't have been a more gentle human being than, than Rytus Evenons. But if you saw him on the ice, you would just, you know, want to run the other direction. All of those guys, George Peros, uh, uh, Kevin Westgarth, Ryan Flynn, you know, some of the, these are like the nicest guys, uh, on the team, but they just, you know, yeah, they just, when it was time to drop the gloves, you, you didn't want to be in front of them. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So Rich in, in your, your time as LA Kings insider, obviously you got to be around a lot of these players. So how did that all start with LA Kings insider? How did you get there? And, and what actually led to you leaving? Yeah, yeah. To the the origin story and the, and the departure story. The the origin story is is interesting. Um, is the, it involves Mark Cuban of of all people? Because like I said, I was I was in a place where I was happy working at the Daily News. I had a good job. They they treated me well, but I, I wasn't able to cover the Kings very much anymore. I was I was in the office a lot. I was still blogging, but I was doing it kind of not as much as I wanted to. And I thought, well, I mean, this is good, but I'd like to do something else. One day at work, I saw, uh, uh, going back to the blogs, Mark Cuban had a blog back then, and his uh, topic one day, or his blog post one day, or he might have just thrown, it was a question he threw out. He said, he said, you know, the Dallas Morning News, the newspaper, is not, is not covering the Mavericks the same way that they were, just as we weren't covering the Kings the same way that we were. And Mark Cuban's question was, what if I took a certain amount of money, let's say $100,000, what if I took $100,000 out of my bank account? gave it to the Dallas Morning News 
and said, you use this money to cover the Dallas Mavericks. I'm not going to tell you how to cover the Dallas Mavericks, uh, but I want you to cover the Dallas Mavericks because I want that coverage. It benefits my team if it's covered. And I read that and I thought, that's either the most brilliant thing I've ever heard or the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm not <laughs> sure which one it is. And I took it and I emailed it to uh, two people in the King's communications department who I had known at that point for a couple of years. And I did it with, with no, uh, you know, nothing in mind. I just said, what do you guys think about this? Because like it was, it was Mike Altieri and, and Jeff Moeller. And I knew both of those guys and I, I trusted them. I respected them. And I really just kind of wanted to know, like, what do you think about this? Like, is this, is this crazy or is this, is this really smart? And one of them, I think Mike probably wrote back and said, uh, do you want to get lunch? And I said, okay, you know, do you, do you so like, you know, do you want to get lunch and talk about this? And I said, sure. You know, I'd, I'd love lunch with you guys. Like I like both of those guys anyway. So we kind of sat down and talked about it. And uh, those guys had told me that they had thought in the past about about creating something uh, internally that that they would kind of because they knew what the deal was. They knew that newspapers weren't what they were. They weren't getting the same type of coverage that they were getting. As you guys well know, the team wasn't very good at that point. They were still in the early stages of, of that rebuild. So uh, they weren't getting the type of attention that they wanted. So we kind of, as I remember it anyway, this has now been, you know, tw 12 years ago, I guess. Um, we kind of just talked very, very generally. This is probably like February of 2009. Just like what would the parameters be? Like in the very, very most general sense, like what would the parameters be? And I said, well you know, just from the perspective of a reporter, like the one thing that it would have to be is independent. Like you couldn't have, you can hire your own public relations people if you want, and that's fine. But if you're going to hire somebody to be a journalist, that person has to be a journalist. And I knew that was going to be tough for a team to hear, you know, not, not a lot of teams uh, want to hear that. Um, but that started about a six month conversation, not not continuously, but back and forth, emails, phone calls, whatever. And eventually we kind of got to the point where we said, I think we can I think we can do this, <laughs> you know, and uh, I give the Kings to this day. I give the Kings a ton of credit because I, I took a little bit of a risk, uh, but they took a big risk. They took a big risk in doing that, in, in hiring me and creating something that really had not been created before. Nobody had any idea how it was going to go. They didn't know. I, I easily could have embarrassed them and, you know, made, made the whole thing look stupid and made them look stupid. So I am, I'm very grateful from, you know, those people, Je Mike and Jeff, who I mentioned, uh, to Tim Laiwiki, who signed off on it, uh, Chris McGowan, who was there at the time, you know, Dean Lombardi. Uh, I don't know how many people. I, I think I went through the whole organization at some point. <laughs> And wow. uh, everybody, I still remember, you know, Tim, uh, I, I met Tim in his office and we kind of talked about it. And at one point he just looks at me, he goes, you better not go easy on us. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I, can, I think I can handle that. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it was great. And uh, I, I remember before we get to the end story, the other, the other story I remember talking about talking to players is, you know, I, cause I had been around the players for a while, for a couple of years. And I kind of thought, ah, geez, this is going to be awkward because now I'm going to be traveling with them. I'm going to be on their plane. I'm going to be on their buses. They're going to be looking at me going like, what's this guy doing here? Like, you know, so I kind of had this speech built up in my mind. I'm like, okay, 
I'm going I'm to I'm gonna sit. I'm going <laughs> to wait until after practice. I'm going to sit down with Dustin Brown. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell him the whole thing. Like, you know, Dustin, like you don't need to worry. Like nothing's going to change. You know, like I'm I'm, I'm going to be professional in the way that I do all this. I'm like, OK, I got myself worked up. And like, you know, so he's you know, he's he's sitting there and I sit down next to him. But like before I open my mouth, he just goes, hey, congrats on the new job. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was it. And I was like, oh, I guess I don't need to give you the speech. And then, like, yeah, the, the, you know, every uh, the players were great. You know, it, it was it was a great. Everything went great except for one little thing, um, and that was uh, as we all remember after the uh, after the Kings won the Stanley Cup, there was there was the lockout, and uh, I didn't see any reason to change the way that I did my job. To be quite honest. Um, uh, and what ended up the beginning of the end was I wanted to, the, the lockout had started and I wanted to still cover things. And I reached out to Kevin Westgarth, who at that point was the Kings player uh, association rep. And I said, uh, would you like to do a Q and a? And he said, yeah, I'll do a Q and a with you. And I also reached out to uh, the NHL and said, would you provide somebody to do a Q and a with me? And they said, no, um, or none of our, none of our people are talking. They did not have any public comments beyond whatever, you know, the spokesman, whatever bill daily or whoever was, you know, talking. So I said, okay, you had your opportunity. Um, so I did the <laughs> Q and a with Kevin Westgarth and, uh, posted it online and shortly thereafter, uh, learned that the NHL was not real happy about that and, um, <laughs> requested that it be taken down, uh, because according to them, the team websites were not to really do anything to publicize the players at that point. They were a very hard line in terms of, uh, they didn't want any stories up about players. They didn't even, uh, you know, like some of the Stanley Cup stuff was going on at that point and they, they weren't allowed. So we were a little bit of a stalemate and uh, the NHL was saying, you have to take this blog item down. And I said, I'm not really good with that because, you know, the thing that I had told people for three years is that I that's not how the website was operated. It wasn't operated with the permission of of anybody really i mean there were things that we partnered on some of the feature stories that i wrote i would run them by the kings hey just so you know i'm writing a feature on daryl sutter's son i'm writing a feature on dustin brown uh but it wasn't uh to the point where it's like hey no you can't write that or you know things like that so uh I didn't see that coming. I'll be honest with you. And so I had a decision to make and we tried to work around it. And again, I give the Kings nothing but credit. They tried very, very hard uh, internally to, to make that work. And there were a couple options. But at the end of the day, I just said, I, I can't I can't do it. I mean, I could have done it. I, I, I could have taken it down. Probably nobody would have noticed. Uh, you know, the readers wouldn't have been like, hey, what happened to that Kevin Westgarth Q&A that got posted a week ago? Probably nobody would have noticed, but I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. And I right. just couldn't continue on like, you know, saying, oh, this is all independent. This isn't overseen by anybody knowing in my mind that 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 had been compromised. So nobody forced me. Nobody said you've got to go or, you you know, there was no ultimatums or anything like that. So um, it, I was sad. I, I didn't want to. I had just signed a new contract. Actually, I had just signed oh. a new contract to, to stay. So I had no intention of leaving. 
Um, but it got very fortunate to, to, you know, get an offer from, from the Orange County Register along that time. And um, so I just, I made the move. It was not something that I did with, you know, a lot of joy. I was, I was happy with my new job, but, uh, but it was, it was really sad to leave that behind because those three years were the most exciting um, of my career and, you know, ultimately the most fulfilling because, you know, you get to cover a Stanley Cup championship. So uh, right. is is not mm. the way that I wanted it to end by any means, but um, but I, it was what I felt needed to be done. So, and you know, that's so, I mean, that's really incredible because I mean, if you think about it, at that particular time, especially, you would think that the NHL would want any kind of coverage, and it would probably mostly be positive. I mean, you know, it's, I don't think you would be the type of guy that would be out there, you know, you know cutting the league down every day you know you, you want to try to stay somewhat in the public eye i mean yeah for, and that's the thing like it, you know it wasn't n- nobody could say that i was oh i'm pro player that i'm taking down the league that's why i gave them the opportunity it's like right. I, it wasn't like going to kevin westgarth and being like hey man let's let's stick it to the league let's let's do this q a no i i would have loved to have talked to anybody from uh, and and I'm sure at that point, I'm sure, you know, somebody like Tim Laiwiki or somebody would have been happy to do an interview. But the league itself was saying like, uh-uh, no, 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 no team personnel does interviews. You know, nobody we're we're sticking to the, you know, to the company line and, and the company line runs through, you know, New York headquarters and and uh, Gary Bettman and the lawyers. So um, I, I guess I understand it from that perspective, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand why they thought that that was a, uh, I, you know, people like me, people like people who run the team websites, they were, he, they were helping to keep fans engaged sure. uh, during time when no games were going on. And that went on for months. It went on until January, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know why they thought they were, that was of any benefit to them. Uh, it, the, the content that, that websites would have been producing was helping to keep their fans engaged. And they basically decided it's not worth it, but that that's probably a lawyer thing. Right. <laughs> more than, more than anything else. So. Well, maybe perhaps yeah. at that time they weren't comfortable with having all their toes on their feet. They felt the need to blow a few of them off. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Rush. <laughs> you had something you wanted to say. I cut you no, off. Yeah. Before. I mean, I was, I was sorry, I, it's, this, this episode is really, it's really cool to have Rich on here. Cause I mean, I think I speak for, a lot of Kings fans at a time when Twitter was kind of at its just at its birth. And I was busy looking around for Kings content, searching at let's go Kings.com or hfboards.com, <laughs> just looking for anything. And then yeah. you came around as an LA Kings insider and Lisa Dillman was around and you guys provided awesome content and like things like hashtag, like the LA Kings goalie tweet off was always something fun to follow. <laughs> and, and, but I want to, I wanted to ask you about a, a certain August night in 2015, when uh, a certain banner went up in Staples Center, and then you kind of <laughs> you started the charge on the whole anti Taylor Swift uh, movement that the Kings fans had. So yeah, what your feelings on that? <laughs> yeah, that was one of those that's like you have to be careful what jokes you make uh, anywhere. And uh, I don't know how many Taylor Swift fans I had in my mentions after that, but it was. <laughs> It was in the hundreds, I would have to say, and um, it kind of starts off as a joke, and then and then you see the the response where it's like, you know, these hundreds or people are taking you seriously, and then you're like, okay, well now I got to lean into this. Like now, now you just got to keep it going. Like you know, if nobody had responded. 
if nobody had responded, I probably would have never mentioned it again. But when it's like, you know, when when people start uh, uh, reacting to it, then it's like, oh, yeah, now now we got to go with this. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was wild. And then when I started, I, I kind of, you know, we would joke about it on Twitter periodically or, you know, like, oh, the jinx, you know, got to take down the banner, you know, didn't make the playoffs again. <laughs> but then when I got hired at The Athletic, and they kind of said, like, you know, what are some of the stories that you want to do? I said, I want to do a story about the Taylor Swift banner. <laughs> and they were kind of like, what, who did we hire? Who is this person? And uh, probably not a lot of people have read the story. And it's, it's totally fine if you haven't. But I actually got her uh, tour manager on the phone. And because uh, I wanted to find out the backstory about it, like what was going on. And I'm asking this guy, you know, this is his name is like uh, Louis Messina. I think he's a, he's a he's a big deal. And uh, I'm asking this guy, like I got this guy on the phone and I'm like, are you aware that people think that that banner is a jinx? And he's just like <laughs> a jinx, like it, like not, this, you know, he has no understanding of sports or anything else. And uh, it was it was a really fun story. Like I had so much fun uh, doing it. And uh, uh, Lee Zeidman from Staples Center, who I've known for years, is great. I mean, he he played along, you know, much, much better than he <laughs> should have, than he had any right to do. And uh, so, yeah, it, and then they ended up taking it down. So, uh, yeah, I actually still haven't been to Staples Center. I have not seen it with my own eyes. Uh, <laughs> I, I tweeted. <laughs> I asked for the banner. Um, I asked. Yeah, right. I think I remember that. Yeah, no, nobody. It has not shown up yet. So that that <laughs> might have to be the next story. Maybe a couple of years from now is like, where is this thing? Like, did <laughs> they did they mail it to Taylor Swift? Uh, like, what did they do with it? Like, I kind of want to know where it is now. Um, so you know, they yeah, should, that, they should put up that? a Rich Hammond banner. That's what. They no, should that do. that's okay. No, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe in the maybe in like the press box bathroom or something like that. That might be. They could, you know, they could, they could, uh, they could. That could be my uh, my uh, my tribute or something like that. So I I, I I have mixed feelings about that. I really don't want that to be my legacy. Is uh, yeah, that's the that's the guy who uh, tweeted about the Taylor Swift banner. But yeah, right. I guess we would be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about some. Kings hockey. Um, yeah. So yeah, you and uh, Lisa just released an article this morning um, about detailing what the Kings should do or what a perfect Kings offseason would look like. Yeah. Um, one one of the topics you guys mentioned was the draft pick that the Kings have eighth overall. Yeah. You you think it might be a good idea for them to trade that pick? Yeah, I I did, and and I'll circle back to Lisa. Lisa in that section made a what I thought was an excellent series of points about how you know. <laughs> You can only draft so many prospects, right? I mean, and the exactly. Kings, I, I give Rob Blake a lot of credit, and, and it looks like they've done a, a really stellar job of, of building up these this prospect pool, and we should start to see that kind of come to fruition. Well, we already are starting to see it, but especially over these next couple of years when guys start to graduate and uh, you know become full-time NHLers, you should really see the fruit of those drafts start to you know start to bear. Um, but you, you can't keep just drafting kids forever. And, and Lisa made the good point of, you know, you want to stagger those, you want guys to come around in a certain order. Um, but I, I, I think just not just because of that, but also because this draft, I, from everything I've heard, it's just, it's such a crapshoot. You know, we don't, we don't Mm -hmm. know, okay, Owen Power, everybody says, 
he's the number one guy, but people can't even really agree on who the second pick is, or certainly not the third or fourth or fifth pick. You know, some years you look at it and it's like, boom, 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 boom. You know who, Mm -hmm. you pretty much know who the top 10 is going to be. Um, There's a lot of debate this year. And part of that, uh, some people are saying that the the first round class itself maybe is not as strong, but I think a lot of people are saying just because of COVID and everything else, it's a lot harder to get a a grip on these guys. And your scouting was not the same in in any situation. A couple of the junior leagues, I think, never even played at all, right? Like the OHL never played. Yeah, it's going to be be really interesting to see, you know, in four years, some of those OHL guys to like pop out of the 10th round. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or go undrafted or whatever it may be. Yeah. And and that's why I just kind of think when you pair those two things, when you pair what Lisa said about like, okay, you've drafted a lot of kids already. And when you, you pair that with a, okay, you're number eight in a draft where number, you know, again, if the Kings had won it, if they get, you know, number one, number two, I don't think you trade that, you know, you don't pass up on an Owen power, but when you're down mm-hmm. at eight, it's it's you know that's already kind of an iffy spot to to begin with and if they can package that and and they could get maybe uh you know a defenseman if they could package it to get some help for the a top six forward something like that i my point was i i think it's time to start making some of those moves like rob i think has done an excellent job of of bringing these kids along he's been bringing in some complimentary parts uh, you know some some bottom six players uh, things like that seems to be develop, developing Cal Peterson nicely. But at some point, you got to make those swings that Dean Lombardi made. You've got to make that, you know, Jack Johnson and a, a first rounder. You've got to trade Braden Shen. You've got to trade Wayne Sibbins. You're not just going to st- stock your team with these kids. And and the way that you do make those moves is sometimes to trade a first round draft pick. And I, I just think for all of those reasons, it, it might be a ripe time uh, to do that. So we'll see. Uh, but if there's somebody there that the Kings love that, you know, Mark and just looking at and saying, I, I'm salivating over this guy and he's available at number eight, then okay. But, but I really would start to look at, at maybe, you know, making a trade there. You know, Rich, I gotta tell you, I 100% agree with you and Lisa. We've been having this little debate amongst ourselves, actually. It's, it's kind of funny uh, because, you know, don't think of, or don't forget too, the Kings also have two second round picks. Yeah. I believe they got two third round picks. So it's not like they're devoid of draft picks. Okay. I mean, right. you've got plenty of shots at the barrel, so to speak. Right. So if you trade that first rounder to get the help that you need now, go for it. Absolutely. I just want to clarify something before I have my own Taylor Swift fans in my, in my mentions, you know, I realize there are not <laughs> 10 rounds in the NHL draft, but you get what I'm saying. Late round. Yeah. No, I mean, I knew where you were going with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I will say, I think a lot of it has to do with this draft. I think I don't, I don't agree with it that the, the talent pool in this draft is not good. I think there's actually a really good talent, but I think a lot of it has to do with the real unknown about which yeah. players are the better players to pick as opposed yeah. to, I mean, I've seen, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before, but I mean, the top 10 is just, there's kind of that known kind of top 10 talent, but players are jumbled all over. So yeah. I think that's where you kind of get the opportunity to, to trade that eighth overall pick. Um, yeah. Unless the Kings find something else. Yeah, it's it's a lot of the scouting because your your guys just aren't out on the road and they're not seeing as many games. You know, some again, some of them didn't even play. The college schedules were really reduced. Some colleges didn't even play. 
Um, I don't even know what was going on in some of the European leagues. I'm sure they were impacted. So it, all in all, it's it's just not your typical, uh, you know, draft preparation. And, you know, the, the less it, we saw it when I was covering the NFL, too, you know, it was the same kind of situation where it just wasn't normal and you didn't get the same kind of. Uh, time to talk to these guys. You can't bring them in for in-person meetings. You can't sit in the same room with them and talk to them at a combine situation. So for all of those reasons, I, I think it, it's, it's you know, if I don't think you make a trade for the sake of making a trade, but if, if one's there, I, I don't think you pass it up. Yeah, not only that, with so many teams that are up against the cap, those, that first round pick this year is even more like gold because you're going to be having yeah. teams that are going to want to, you know, be willing to move some of their, you know, higher price guys that they want to get out of there to actually get some more cap room. And if you can have a first round pick back for a young player, yeah, they're going to take it. It's a good point, yeah. Scott. It's a good point. Yeah, or a good player who has some term left, you know, somebody who can right. contribute who maybe has three years left. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a smart move. Yeah, and I was, I mean, I kind of feel bad for some of these players that have to go through a draft process like this. I was talking with Josh Stone of the Chicago Steel. He said he was like, has uh, Zoom calls with like, uh, I won't name the teams, but... um uh you know team a at four o'clock team b at seven o'clock you know you can't just get in a room with them or have dinner or what have you yeah no yeah we, we saw it in the nfl too because it, you know you couldn't go to the combine this year and a lot of it is i mean it's you know i, I know I, I remember dean going through this in in 2008 with drew dowdy and like you know they were sitting there at number two and it it wasn't a total slam dunk who was going to go number two that year there were several defensemen you remember that that were kind of in the conversation there. And I know how important it was for, for Dean to kind of sit down with, with those guys and just, you know, you look somebody in the eye and you, you know, you get a feel for them and, and to not be able to do that, uh, you know, these are important decisions. So I'm sure for both sides, it's, it's not great for the players and, and it's not great for the teams either. So hopefully, hopefully this is the last, the last of it <laughs> that they don't have to go through this again in the, you know, in the next year. And we honestly don't know if these players are wearing pants on camera, right? No, no, yeah, you know, you don't know anything. Yeah, you don't know what's going on uh, over there. So yeah, it's you know they they could have cue cards, you know, like yeah, telling exactly. them what to say. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not great. It, you, you know, they've they've made the best of it, but I don't think anybody is real enthused about it. Yeah, that's, that's a tough situation. It, it really is. So uh, any uh, any anything you got on your mind as far as maybe what the Kings should do this off season? Yeah, you know, I it's interesting when in my intro I said to the to the article, I said it it's a tough time, you know. It's it's they're not on the cusp of winning now. Um the Stanley Cup, I mean, they they should start to win more games. Um so the the players that but the players you acquire now, I think you want them to be in place. If you remember, you know, back in 2006 it I think it was one of the first trades that Dean made was to get Jared Stoll and Matt Green. And you looked at it at the time and you went, uh, okay, you know, a third pair defenseman and a, and a third line center, you know, like how exciting was that? But, but the he, cup. yeah, <laughs> you weren't, they weren't going to win you the Stanley cup the next year. So, but what Dean was doing there, obviously he was looking for those guys. I don't remember how old Jared and Matt were at that point. They were, they were, they were not old, obviously they were, uh, probably in their mid twenties or, or something like that, um, maybe mid to late twenties. But they were guys who Dean looked at and said, "These are going to be leaders, and these are guys who are going to be here when we are ready to win." And that's the kind of move that I think that Rob Blake and, and the staff needs to start looking at. Is it might not be Jack Eichel right now uh, because you're not going to win the Stanley Cup next year. 
Although if you think mm-hmm. you're going to get Jack Eichel now and he's going to lead you to the Stanley Cup in three or four years, okay, fine, do it. But what I'm saying is like you need to get those guys the way that Dean started bringing in the stolen the green and then he brought in Matt, uh, Rob Skidari and then he brings in, you know, a Justin Williams, a Willie Mitchell. You know, you could see it starting to build where it's like, okay, we're bringing along the Andre Kopitars and we're bringing along the Drew Dowdies. And, you know, those kind of guys quick and Tyler Toffoli and, you know, guys like that. But we're also building that core around them that these are the guys who are going to help us win the Stanley Cup. As much as I hate to say it, like Dustin Brown isn't going to be there when they're ready to win the Stanley Cup again. Jonathan Quick isn't going to be there uh, when they're ready to win the Cup. So those are the kind of moves that I, I think it would really behoove Rob Blake to start looking at is, who are these guys that are that are going to help the Quentin Byfields, who are going to help the Bjornfots, or the Mikey Andersons, uh, you know, whoever it may be, Turcotte, Kaliev. Like, it, you need to start building, bringing in those guys who can help, who are, who are going to play major roles on those teams, um, but aren't going to be your superstars necessarily. So, like, those are the moves that I would look at. I know fans like to look at the big names, like, bring on, you know, Jack Eichel. Uh, and fine, if you can do that, like, he's a once-in-a-generation talent, so I'm not saying you pass that up. But, like, in terms of building your team, I think you start maybe, you know, looking at that. Maybe you start looking at some of those veteran defensemen. You've got some young guys. You, obviously, you have Drew Doughty there to, to lead the way. But you got a lot of young guys. So, you know, maybe you bring in a guy the way the way that Dean brought in Sean O'Donnell to to help Drew Doughty, the way that he brought in Rob Scuderi to help out with certain guys, you know, brought in Matt Green to help Alec Martinez, brought in Willie Mitchell to help Slava Voinov. You know, like it, there, there's a balance that you, that you have to have there. You can't just wait for all the kids to show up and then go, OK, guys, mm-hmm. time to win. Uh, because as I said in my story, like then you're the Edmonton Oilers, like you're right. just, you're, you're constantly just having kids come up and, and think that they're going to win. So anyway, long story, long answer there, but, but I, I think that they, the more moves that they can make like that, like start thinking a couple years down the line and be like, okay, who's, who are going to be the guys who are still going to be here, who are going to contribute and can help these young guys right now get to that point where you want them to be. You kind of uh, you kind of danced around it the entire time, but I loved what you said in the article: accountability. All these kind of like veteran players that can keep these younger players accountable. You know, because the Kings right now they just have four guys left from the Stanley Cup runs. Dustin Brown's going to be enter- entering his final season. I think Quick has two years left. That's if he doesn't get taken by Seattle. Right. Um, but you get what I'm saying. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of youth and not much veteran presence on the roster anymore. Yeah, and you want to bring those guys in. Like, obviously, those four guys are still there, and, and they've won the Cup. But, again, when when the Kings are ready, like you said, Quick's probably not going to be there. Brown's not going to be there. Kopitar probably will. Doughty probably will. But those are only two guys. Like, in the guys that – you look at the guys that Dean brought in, like Stolen Green had just played for the Stanley Cup in Edmonton. They just made it to the Cup final. Justin Williams had won a Cup. Uh, Rob Scuderi had won a Cup. Uh, Willie Mitchell hadn't won a cup, but they'd had a lot of success in Vancouver, you know, guys like that, who was like, okay, these were not like superstar players, but they were the, the, the core guys, again, accountability, great word. Those were the guys who could bring those young guys along, who could teach Drew Doughty what it was like to win in the NHL, who could teach, 
Andrzej Kopitar and and some of these younger guys, you know, the the, the, the Foley's, the Dwight Kings, uh, you know, guys who contributed on that team. So it's great to bring those young guys along. It's, it's really important to develop them. But you, you also have to have somebody along their side to kind of show them like, OK, this this is how you win, guys. This is how you win the Stanley Cup. So those are the kind of moves that that I would look to make. And and certainly if you can, you know, the Kings ended up making a Jeff Carter trade. If If you can if you can make that trade at some point, you do because you're going to need those guys, too. So, uh, but it, it's, it's kind of a, you know, you have to approach it from, from multiple directions, I think. And there was also a first round pick involved in that Jeff Carter trade, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, Jack, Jack Johnson in a first rounder. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. You're going so to have to give up number eight pick. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they gave up Braden Shen, who, what was a number five pick, I think Correct. overall. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so they gave up, you know, one of their top prospects in, in the Mike Richards deal, along with, you know, Wayne Simmons, who was a, a very productive player at that point. So that's the thing. You can't at some point you've got to you, you can't keep all your toys. You know, you've, you've got to be able to, mm-hmm. to trade some of them for, for something else. So I, I think the Kings will get there. And I understand why you don't do that, you know, right now. But I think you can start you right. can look for those moves. And, and if they're there, I don't think you hesitate to make them. Yeah, because I think probably by the end of next season at the latest, they're going to have to decide which one of these or which of the young guys they're going to keep that are that are going to be a part of their future core, and then the rest basically become trade bait. That that's really what it is. I mean, if, if you if you do it smart, that's what you do, and and you hope you don't make the mistakes. You know, right. you, you hope you hope you pick <laughs> right, and that's where you lean on your development people and and your Ontario people. Uh, you know, to to make sure that that you're not making those mistakes. So that's what the Kings did. I mean, they they then Dean Dean bet correctly pretty much all the way. He bet on you know Kopitar and Brown and and Dowdy and Quick and Martinez and and he decided to get rid of you know Shen and Simmons and Jack Johnson and I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple others. Um, you know, and, and he bet right. I mean, how many of those did he did he bet wrong on? Uh, and not not until after the Stanley yeah. Cup run yeah. did he start to make the wrong bets. But uh, yeah. but for a good you know three or four years there there, uh, you know he he pushed the right buttons. And uh, it's yeah, not easy he, to uh, do, by the way. He built a great house. He just didn't know how to maintain it. You know what? And I, I know we're going on for a long time here, but it's an interesting thing about Dean is he always knew that. Um, I remember talking to him early on in his in his tenure, and he was very aware of what his faults were. Um, he, he knew that it was, it was not going to be hard for him to build up something. He was always very mindful about maintaining it. And he read book after book. He was fixated on the San Francisco 49ers of the 80s because he wanted to know how Bill Walsh kept that all together. And he would, he read all Bill Walsh's books. He talked to Ronnie Lott. I mean, he was, he was fixated on how to do it. And I, it's been a while since I've talked to Dean, but it's got to eat at him that like, he knew, he knew it was going to be hard to do. And he just couldn't, he couldn't quite do it. I mean, there were a couple curveballs in there that obviously he never, he never saw coming uh, that, you know, change the game a little bit but but he kind of knew it he kind of knew it so it's it's unfortunate that that you know the 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 the, you know the snake that bit him he he knew he knew it was the one to look out for but he just couldn't avoid it yeah I mean and who could have seen the whole Slava Voinov situation all that that went along with it I mean it's just it's unfortunate it it really is and the Mike Richards thing Mm -hmm. I mean there were a couple in there where it was like you know absolutely you, you can say he made wrong decisions and he did but there were a couple in there that were like well you know, it was it was hard to plan for that. 
Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so Rich, it's uh, we're just took a little quick look at the game here. It's uh, four to one Tampa with about two minutes left. Uh, what do you think? Are they gonna they gonna finish off in uh, how many games, or is it gonna be Montreal coming back? You know, you know what's funny? I'm I'm not gonna name names here, uh, and I have no reason <laughs> to. But but after game one of uh, Vegas Montreal, which I think was that a four, it might have been a four one game. Also, uh, it was it, it was a multi multi goal win uh for for vegas and and somebody i know um texted me and said yeah Ve- you know vegas is gonna win this in five and uh i was like oh yeah you know I, you kind of looked at the game and you went yeah they probably will and then we saw what happened so at this point i'm not gonna count montreal out like but tampa man i mean all throughout the playoffs I, i've been keeping an eye on the western teams more than i have on on tampa but they are just so good i mean they are so mm-hmm balanced and obviously they just won the thing so they know what it's like to be at be at this stage be in this situation um so it's hard for me to bet against Tampa but man Montreal were like they just I'm so impressed with the way that they play and uh there there were a couple in in a couple of those Vegas games you know I would message our Vegas writer and I'm like how are they doing this like how you know like, like I was watching it and I still couldn't figure it out I'm like how are they how are they playing this well um, but, but they are. So yeah, I, if I had to bet, not just because it's four to one right now, but, uh, if I had to bet, I would, I would still, you know, bet on Tampa, but really, really have enjoyed Montreal, you know, making this run and, and, you know, playing the, the, the good hockey that they have and, you know, glad to see, you know, a guy like Tyler Toffoli get some run there and, and have a run. I, I love watching Montreal play, you know, from a stylistic mm-hmm. standpoint, like sure. it's, it's been really enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch them, but, uh, Tampa's, that's a tough mountain to climb. It will be interesting to watch though next year because uh, Gary Bettman did touch on it in his um, his State of the Union today about uh, the salary cap and um, long term injured reserve. You know whether yeah. what what, what uh, he's going to do in the next CBA because obviously yeah. Tampa is is uh, close to a hundred million now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know teams are starting teams are very smart. And, you know, I know Vegas was kind of playing that game, too, where it's like, oh, you stash guys or you don't even play with a full roster so that you can you can protect your your salary cap. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if if that gets revisited because, you know, you don't want to. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's great in in the long term to to be doing kind of what Vegas was doing, where you're playing a guy short just so you can play salary cap games and and things like that. It doesn't really fit the spirit of of what you know right. things are, are supposed to be. So, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they. Uh, but yeah, going like you guys said, I mean, a lot of teams in the splat cap are are going to be hurting. So a team like the Kings could be well positioned here, if it, whether it's the expansion draft or whether it's you know something else to where. Uh, they might be able to grab a guy where, you know, if a team is, is going to lose him for nothing or, you know, has to lose somebody else who they like even more. Oh, hey, hey, we're the Kings. We'll, we'll throw you a third round pick uh, for that <laughs> yeah, guy exactly. and, uh, you know, bring him in. And, and now's yeah. the time to do that sort of thing. So, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating. But uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a good time to be financially positioned where the Kings are right now. And Tampa is a good market to look at this offseason because I, I don't see how they Houdini their way out of it again. Um, no. You know, I mean, just a quick question for you. Would you take Alex Kalorn, Tyler Johnson, or would you target someone younger on that team? Oof. That's, that's a good question. Um, 
I, I would not mind having either one of those guys. Yeah, I'd, I would because again, it's I, I I love that because it's 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 winners. I, I want to bring in winners to my team. Um, it's it's not so much to me at this point. Kind of where I know people like to do the you know fit him in the box like oh he's going to be the first line you know winger he's going to be yeah. the, it's too early for that right now like you don't know how these guys are going to shape out you don't know whether Byfield's going to you know make it when he's going to make it Kaliev Turcotte I mean there's so many of these guys where we're we're you know we're throwing darts in the dark right now so like to say like oh you're going to get Tyler Johnson and he's going to slot into that spot or you're going to get Kalorn and he's going to slot into that spot. I don't really care so much about that right now. Like to me, it's kind of like, who's the guy who you want to bring in your dressing room? Like who's the guy who's, who's going to be the mentor, who's going to help this team along. I, to be honest, I don't know enough about those guys, you know, personally or what their leadership skills are like, uh, things like that. But, but if, if, you know, the Kings were to get good reviews on, on any of those guys to like, Hey, you know, this guy was, he was really good in, in Tampa's locker room. Like you, you want to bring him in and, and uh, I would do that in a heartbeat, you know, and, and that's why uh, I think it's so important. It's, it's not so much about, you know, Oh, you're going to fill that, that hole right now, or, you know, that this is the guy to play with next to that guy. Eh, you know, we'll, we'll worry about that in in a year or two uh, right now. It's just bring some guys in who you think are going to help you be a winning franchise. And kind of to yeah, your point, so I mean, true. not not putting a guy in a box or anything. The Ole Mata situation is a perfect example exactly. of that because he was supposed to be the the solution for Drew Doughty. It ended up being twenty one year old Mikey Anderson. You just don't know. <laughs> it's 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 too early right. for that. Like you don't know. You know, think back to where the King did you did you think you know if if I would have told you when the Kings drafted Dwight King that he was going to be you know the the third line winger on a Stanley Cup championship team like you would have. <laughs> You know, you would have not believed that. Um, so it, it's it's too early. You don't know how that stuff is going to sort out. Like just just bring in guys who you like, bring in guys who you think can be around for a couple of years who can help you win, and all of that stuff will will sort itself out. You want to do the big things. You want to get yourself a goalie. Uh, you you want to be strong down the middle. That's certainly an important thing. Uh, but but trying to get too fine with it. The Olimata thing is a great example of of trying to get too fine with it, and and that stuff. You just got to let that sort itself out naturally. Yeah, and especially this this day and age, too. I mean, you're seeing it more and more that it's so important to be able to roll four lines anyways. So, I mean, there's, yeah. you're not really bringing in people just to, like, shoehorn them into one spot on a line. Or I mean, it's so important that you – I mean, I think actually the Bruins are the only ones that are getting away with it right now, having one dominant line. Yeah, and then uh, the rest, the rest of three, we'll worry about you know as the game goes on. But don't worry, right. when the perfection line gets out, we're going to score. So, uh, yeah, you know. yeah, you, you you can't that that that's a tough that's a tough way to go. I mean that that's a real high wire act um, to go right. through. And and um, yeah, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's smart. I, I think the Kings are building it with with that balance in mind, and and that's really smart. But again, if you, if you throw all your money at Jack Eichel, then are you throwing that balance off? I don't know um it's it's an it's an interesting debate to have we've we've had the jack eichel debate too so um that's 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 an interesting one but uh but yeah I, i've always been a fan of, of the balance and uh, you know being able to roll those those lines and and i think over over time it it, it proves itself out yeah absolutely and you yeah. know i know the kings are loaded on the right side of their defense but what do you yeah. think about them maybe making a run at dougie hamilton yeah, again, that's somebody I, I think you can bring in. And yeah, you can say they're loaded, but again, you, you need some. You look at the way the Kings balanced them out 
in in that in that run where it was like they almost did it intentionally where it was kind of like okay you've got drew dowdy with rob scuderi you've got uh, willie mitchell with slava voinov you've got matt green with alec martinez and it was almost like they knew like okay we're gonna we're gonna pair the kid with the veteran and uh, i think that's just such a smart thing to do and when you talk about some of the guys that you know the kings have have coming up on on the left side um you you can probably you know do that balance and and that's why uh, it doesn't hurt to, to bring in somebody, even if it's just in the short term. You know, again, I, I go back to the Sean O'Donnell thing. Like Sean O'Donnell was only around for a couple of years. He didn't enjoy any winning with the Kings. Uh, but but what he did was serve as a fantastic mentor and partner for Drew Doughty for a couple of years and say, hey, you know, Drew, I've I've been through the I've been through the wars. I've I've seen what it's like. Let me tell you about these opponents you're facing. Let me tell you what it's like to to play in the NHL at a high level. And and that was invaluable. And I I think bringing in a guy like Dougie Hamilton would be would be great for that. And and another example of you're you're not doing it to fill a box necessarily. You're bringing it. You're doing it because you're you're making your organization stronger. And and that's really where the Kings are right now. If they were like a year away. It would be a different story to me, but I, I don't. I sorry, but I I don't think they're a year away. So no, I right. don't. Uh, I don't. I don't think you 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 get too fine with it right now. But you know, at least Sean O'Donnell got a sweet TV deal out of it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was, he was great, by the way, too. A lot of those guys who you know, Jared Stoll is is parlayed into. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of guys on that team. I was told Colin Fraser, like he Colin Fraser is like I don't know what he's doing right now. But we, I, I, we actually had him on uh, three weeks ago, guys. Oh, right? yeah. He's, yeah, a, he's a great yeah. guy. He's an he is, amateur yeah. scout for the Blackhawks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So great. I bet I always told him, I'm like, you could do, you could do media. Like he was, he was a great, very engaging. And I mean, you, I'm sure you guys saw it, you know, a great talker, mm-hmm. great storyteller. So yeah. Um, you know, guys, guys like that. I mean, Colin Fraser, another good example, you know, guy who they brought in, he, he, you know, been on a cup winning team in Chicago. Like, you know, you look at, you know, Oh, Colin Fraser, what's the big deal. But like, you know, he's a guy who was great in the locker room and, and, uh, you know, helped that team win. I scored, scored a goal in the Stanley cup final as, as I recall. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's moves like that, where I say, you know, if, if you're a year away, then, okay, then, then you can start looking at the Mike Richards trade. Then you can start looking at the Jeff Carter trade, you know, those where you're putting kind of the final Lego pieces together, but like the Kings aren't there yet, you know? So like, I think you got it. They're still building the foundation before you get to kind of the, the shiny stuff uh, up top. So the, the, the stronger, firmer that you can build that foundation, I think uh, the better. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's funny because you mentioned Dwight King earlier. I think Bailey Sports West needs the smile. That's oh true. yeah, that 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 yeah that uh, <laughs> that demon grin of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. my my good friends. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember the royal half um, and uh, all the, all the the memes and stuff that, that that they used to put out. And yeah, that That's was exactly uh, what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, just just amazing the Dwight King smile. Yeah, another just yeah. The, the nicest guy nicest guy yeah. in the whole world so yeah it's uh Absolutely. those are those are fun times those are very fun times <laughs> well you know speaking of fun times rich this has been a blast having you on we we can't yes. begin to tell you how much we appreciate you having or taking the time to come on with us and uh you know i gotta tell you anytime you want to come back and talk to us you are more than welcome my friend 
Awesome. I enjoyed talking to you guys. And yeah, maybe we'll do it again. We'll we'll see uh, how many of my predictions were wrong. And, uh, you know, all the <laughs> Rob Blake made all the right moves and I didn't know what I was talking about. So maybe maybe we can review that uh, in a couple months. So Kings fans, all, all your listeners and viewers, thank you guys all so much for uh, all the support over the years. I I do appreciate it. I still remember everybody very fondly. I miss all of our uh, get togethers and seeing people at the rink and even seeing people in the road hotels, like you were talking about, those are always some of the best times to, uh, to, to meet people. So uh, even though it's been a few years, I, I have not forgotten and, and I, I never will forget. So, so thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so Absolutely. much. And, yeah. and like, you know, best of luck. And we, like I said, come on back anytime. Okay. We'll do. We'll thanks, do. Right, buddy. That was rich Hammond, everybody. Thank you so much. That was really cool. That well, was great. Down yeah, memory we, lane. we always seem to target those like 20 or 30 minute interviews and, you know, an hour, <laughs> hour and 10 go by and we're like, oh man, that was awesome. That's why, you know, I, I know you couldn't see me when you typed that or, you know, in the message earlier, I just laughed. I'm like, this isn't going to go 20 minutes. I go, who's he kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying to make sure he could get back to the game in time, but once he said he was good on time, it was open season. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It started turning into a blowout anyway, so it's like, right. ah, who needs to watch that? <laughs> so, Ryan, there was some Kings news that came up over the past couple of days. Uh, Blake was that, right? There was. He was re-signed to a one-year deal. Um, yeah, uh, I kind of – I, I likened it to the Michael Amadio. I think he's going to kind of transition into that fifth-line center role. Um, you know, it – Guy had COVID this year. I think he had a sprained MCL to close out the season. Just really had some bad luck, but um, and just didn't have the sophomore year that he wanted. So, unfortunately, he's kind of put it into, you know, uh, a make-or-break season, uh, yeah. potentially being dealt for depth, uh, which Amadio was for Christian Willanen. Right. Right, and so, it was only eight hundred thousand dollars. So I mean, it's not like it's yeah, it's not a huge financial commitment to him, but you know, you know, I almost kind of wonder if, and I know this sounds kind of strange because I'm pretty sure Seattle's going to take Cal Clegg, but you think maybe now with him signed to such a small contract that they might be tempted to take him instead. I would drive him to the airport myself. <laughs> <laughs> All respect oh, to the man. guy, but I mean, I. Just, well, that'd be a long drive for you, too, because you're coming from Chicago. So, That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Start an Uber business. <laughs> Man, you are one dedicated guy, I'll tell you. <laughs> and I know they uh, they got some other free agents, or well, restricted free agents. They're going to have to resign it because it's funny. You know, we, we talked about this before. You know, everybody says, well, they got $20 million going to the offseason. Well, not really, because you still have guys of your own that you have to resign. So, what do you got? You got Andreas after the CU. Uh, Trevor Moore, yeah. if Cal Clegg, uh, for whatever reason, isn't signed or taken by Seattle, you're going to have to sign him. Uh, Leah Anderson. Leah Anderson. So, I mean, they could conceivably down, be down to like 15, 16 million. I mean, I know that's nothing to sneeze at, believe me, but, you know, there's still some work to be done. So, who do you think is going to be the next one that gets the contract? Uh, it's got to be Trevor Moore without hesitation. I'm surprised it's not done already. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very surprised too. I don't I'm not sure what they're waiting for. If it's I, I hope there's you know not they're not haggling over money, um or term, whatever, but I mean that's it's gotta get done. 
So I think obviously you're going to see, I think all three of those guys that we just mentioned are going to be back in the fold. Anderson. Uh, you, yeah. I think the only, more. I mean, the only one that I could see possibly departing would be uh, Athanasio. You know, if they get, if they get somebody else, uh, a top scorer or something like that, uh, it could be the odd man out. Yeah. I, he could I, be. I love his speed though. I mean, it's got to be, if you keep him, I don't know. There's got to be like a series of moves, like uh, Austin Wagner has to be moved or something like that, you know? Right. Well, I know, but you know, here's the thing though. What, why I, I kind of tend to think that he's not necessarily going to be gone right off the bat anyway is the fact that he is a restricted free agent. So, I mean, it's not like he can just go sign anywhere. So right. the Kings are in the driver's seat on this one. Um, uh, and I think if they we give him a qualifying offer, I believe it's going to be around $2 million for an AAV, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah, could be wrong about that. Around, but it's uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, 2 to $3 million, is, I'll just say, is what the range is. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's – and especially with the kind of space they – the cap space they have – that really isn't a killer, so long as they don't give him like a five-year contract, which I don't think they will. But it, it, I think this is the kind of guy you got to have around for a couple of years as the placeholder, while the kids, the you know, the rest of them down in Ontario develop. And because really, let's face it, they got to start turning a quarter here. You got to. They start do, and as as Rich said it, as we've been talking, you know, we talk about the eighth overall pick here, but eventually you got to start to have some of these guys graduate to the NHL level, stay there and start to develop into their potential. You know, you can't just um, keep drafting players and developing players. You know, you take, take these guys and some of them take uh, three to four years to right. you know, fully realize their potential. Right. Exactly. Especially and, uh, the defensemen and goalies, you know, that's the hard part right there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's having, having that patience to wait it through, you know, um, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what uh, what's on uh, Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille's mind. Um, just what did, a, uh, flip it around. What did you think about the Lazat deal? I didn't think it – I mean, obviously they were going to re-sign him, right? They weren't just going to, you know, not qualify him and toss him back into the pool. So I think it's a good deal at $800,000. It's only one year. Now, he's going to need some injuries to get some playing time. At this point, I don't see him, you know – getting into the lineup without him because if you look at it going into into opening night right they've also they've already got Kopitar Velarde Byfield you know is staying in LA there's no way he goes back to the OHL that's not happening and you also got Jared Anderson Dolan so there's your four centers Mm -hmm. now Lazat really hasn't spent any time on the wing now granted I'm not going to say that he couldn't transition over that's not out of the question but the thing is, is the Kings have so many players right now that they're going to have to sift through. And yeah, Blake Lazat brings a lot of energy and everybody likes the kid. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, a likable guy. And he, and of course, you know me, I'm not the big analytics guy, but he does have some pretty good advanced numbers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. With he, that, he goes into the dirty areas. He's, you know, he's obviously not the biggest guy on the ice. And he goes into the dirty areas. And uh, last year I noticed, so he fell down a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I know he got a lot of slack for that on, on Twitter, but um, maybe maybe he's going to get a new pair of skates this year. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> you can afford them now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I think uh, I think eventually he's actually going to get dealt for you know like a mid to a late round pick just to kind of stockpile for future uh, for drafts. But 
Which, you know, if, you kinda, if you kind of think about it, if you just boil it down, you turn an undrafted player into a draft pick. Right. Exactly. So it's a win-win. It, it really is. You know, so we'll see what happens, my friend. Uh, one little bit of breaking news here before we go. Uh, as announced by The Athletic, uh, Chris Chelios is joining the ESPN broadcast team. Oh, that's a good I one. Saw that, I saw that come through when we were talking to him. I almost mentioned it, but we got to talk about everything else. But, yeah. you know, that they're putting together one heck of a team between ESPN, ABC, and Turner. That that's, I think is going to be interesting. I, I really do. And I think ESPN, I'm not sure if it's plus or the main one, but regardless, it's still under the same umbrella there. Right. Um, I just heard it on uh, Sirius XM NHL radio on the way home, but they they have the expansion draft and they have uh, the first day of the NHL draft. Yes. Yes. And I do believe that's actually going to be on ESPN. Right. From what uh, Commissioner Batman was saying today. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if he mentioned that before or after he spotted the fly. But <laughs> I think it was, it was somewhere after. in there. It was somewhere <laughs> in there. Uh, <laughs> and he, you know, speaking of that, did you get to hear the whole uh, state of the the union address, so to speak? Uh, I heard most of it. Um, I'm trying to remember what the last thing I said was, but yeah, I mean he he talked about the the long term injured reserve being part of the the next CBA. Uh, right. That they would look into it, but they also he he liked to use the word uh, Tampa did nothing inappropriate this year which I mean, uh, what was he what was he gonna say right yeah you know, <laughs> i mean you know here's the thing with tampa you know by the letter of the law rule whatever you want to say no they didn't do anything wrong but there's also a little bit of ethics i think yeah no, you I know i mean come on you got, uh, eight, two months before you're you supposed to pop. 18 yeah. million stashed away on there yeah i mean that that's that's a little overkill i mean but you know, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it now. So, you know, the one takeaway that I took from that State of the Union was uh, he was talking about the Olympics and yeah. how they want to get the regular season schedule out, but the Olympics thing is still up in the air. And, you know, to me, honestly, I and I know the players want to play in it in the worst way, and I get it. You want to play for your country. I understand. But I think maybe this time around the NHL should just sit it out. and be Given everything that's gone on in the world, you know, and that, you know, there's still COVID question marks out there. You know, maybe now that the league's getting back on its feet is not the best time to be shutting the league down for, what, three weeks? Right. Yeah, and he wouldn't, even, he, didn't, he wouldn't even commit to the break either. No, and that's the thing. So, I don't know. I Like I said, I know that's a big thing for the players, and I understand it. But, I, I don't know, I've always kind of been fundamentally against NHLers going to the Olympics anyway. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, here's what could happen. You shut the, the season down for three weeks and you're super – because it's all superstars that are going to play in the Olympics, right? Yeah. They're not taking some fourth liner or, you know, guy that's, that's been watching from the breast box. So, anyways, <laughs> let's say your team is rolling and you're going to the playoffs. Your superstar player goes over to play in the Olympics and he breaks an ankle. Now what? Yeah. Now what? Now you're, you know, <laughs> you just suffered a major injury and it wasn't even, you know, playing in the NHL. So, I, I always think that there's that risk, but, you know, I mean, that's going to be up to them to decide. So. It's Alec Martinez, though. He plays through it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Alec Martinez and his bionic foot. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I mean, you didn't I even notice he was slowing down. You know, I, no. I mentioned it in the piece that I wrote, but, you know, you would have had injury questions surrounding Mark Stone. It's just like he kind of disappeared there towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, geez, a broken foot? Man. Man, that's just like Bob Baum back in the uh, 60s playing for Toronto. Oh, my gosh, you know. Oh, Jazz hand, bionic foot. 
Bring you, were home. At the, you were at the games, though, there, then, Scott. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I lived in Toronto, I probably would have been. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ryan, we've been at it for almost an hour and 15 minutes now, so I think we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, but like I said, thank you to Rich Hammond. That was absolutely fantastic having him on and, and hearing all the old King stories, and we hope he comes back again soon. So Yeah, that was awesome. It was. So for Rich Hammond, for Russell Morgan, who we lost connection with, and for (laughs) Mr. Ryan Sykes, I'm Scott Kibble. Thanks for listening tonight, and go Kings, go. Have a good night, guys.